Hello, everyone. Time for another episode of our podcast. This is Dr. Jim Hoven, and man, am I excited for today's visit. I have the chance to meet a new friend, and we've had a little bit of time to talk prior to this, and there's something about coming in contact with someone that you've never met, but you can feel their spirit. And that's what the case is today. Uh, I have the privilege to talk with someone who's making a difference in all communities by focusing on the Latino community. And we'll get more into that in just a moment, but it's really an honor and a pleasure for me to have as my guest today, Miss Maria Gonzalez. I'm so excited. And she's with Adelante, which means moving forward. Is that right? That Something is correct. Yeah, yeah, Adelante, uh, the, the Adelante Community Development Group. And so we're going to talk about all that stuff. And I want to jump right into it. So first of all, Maria, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much, Dr. Jim. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I, and I really mean that intro as we were talking, um, just first sitting down with you. And in the first two minutes, I, I love to just get vibes from people. I'm kind of one of those vibe guys. And there's a sense of what you're doing. It comes across as a quiet confidence. And then as we started talking and I was learning about your, a little bit about your past, your history, what you've done and what you've accomplished, became clear to me that you've been called to do public service and, and work for people since, since you were pretty young, right? Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, my word is gratitude. I feel that gratitude every single day because, um, you know, when we came to this country, I immigrated from Mexico when I was 13 and uh, I'm one of 14 children. So um, every day that we needed just about anything from food and basic human needs, there were people around. I grew up in North Denver. And so there was always people around the church that just wanted to come and help. And their big hearts now, um, looking back, they had no reason to come and help. They had, they nobody knew who we were, but they were willing to come and help and give everything that they had. So, you know, as an adult, I'm thinking, you know, there's nothing that stops me from giving back and showing my family, my children and grandchildren, the gratitude process, because what when you give, you receive immensely. Oh, I love that, Maria. That's so beautiful. I, I am floored by the statement, one of 14 children. That is amazing. <laughs> so take us back a little bit to that time and uh, tell us how many brothers, how many sisters, where you fall in the birth line, all that kind of stuff. Cause I, I don't know many, I don't know anybody that has personally been a part of family that big. And so many of the listeners may not either. What was that like? 14 children. So I have six sisters and the funny thing, we're all named Maria's first name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maria. So how, how did, so when one of you got in trouble, was it like middle oh. name? <laughs> Middle name, yes. Middle name and, and the two last names, pretty long. Uh, and I have seven brothers. Um, my father uh, used to come to the States since he was uh, 14 years old. Okay. Uh, he worked in agricultural. And then when he went back uh, at 17 years old, he married my mom. She was 16. Uh, and they um, they would uh, negotiate, I guess, you know, when my father come every season to to the United States. And then he would go back and baptize a baby and uh, pregnant my mother once again. So like 45 years of childbearing. Uh, oh my God. Mom. Your mom is a saint. She's Can a I saint. just say that? Yes. She's a saint. <laughs> Holy cow. So your dad would come and work in the fields and that kind of stuff and, yeah. and take uh, harvest crops or whatever. Is that yeah, what he from, would do? We, we were born in Jalisco, Mexico. Okay. And so my father would go, I would go from Jalisco to Denver to work in the fields and then go back 
uh, to Mexico. And, and would he come as a, like, would that be a process visa, of a group where a group would all come together? Or is that an individual thing where each person would kind of come no, on? No, several people, several people came okay. together to mm-hmm. work in the agricultural for many years. And finally, you know, my mother got tired of that situation yeah. when, when um, she had the 14th baby. And so she decided I'm going to join my husband to the United States. So she did. She started sending a few of us uh, undocumented to this country. Oh, wow. And uh, I was the last one to come in 1985. And where were you in the birth order? Ninth. Ninth. I, I have five siblings younger than me. Okay. So how were you the last to come over then? What, how, would, how did that go? Um, I had an older sister that um, wanted to stay in Mexico because she was married there. Yes. And so they, um, I, my my mother allowed me to stay there to be like her her babysitter when she has kids, yes. or just to be there of aid. But um, my oldest brother Alex uh, went to visit once, and um, we hadn't met each other because he's the oldest. And I had never seen him before. So when he came to to the house, he told my sister, she looks like us. (laughs) He had no idea that I was one of the younger siblings. He assumed that everybody was already in Colorado. And so he brought me, he, you know, he made sure that I came here safe and, and just loving that part of being a family together and uh, struggling together surviving together but overall blessed and did you guys in the younger years once everyone had gotten here did everyone live in the same space or were was the age difference enough that some of the older siblings were living in separate places or how did that work yes there were um a few of them already on their own married mm-hmm. in, in under their own home but um i tell you based on zoning code i remember uh we almost had to live in two homes because there were so many of us uh, and uh, and it was hard. <laughs> Imagine paying two or three mortgages. Yes, unbelievable. <laughs> you never think about that. Yeah, and and if we if we think about you know some of the the rules and regulations that some cities have limiting uh, people based on square footage of their home, we would have been violating every single law. Wow. <laughs> but we were a big family, and you know, and, right. and we grow together, and we're even if we're on each other's space, it's the love that we have and the caring that we have that will maintain us together. That's so good. Are you guys all still really close? We're very close. Uh, there's over 120 nieces and nephews. That there I is have. not. <laughs> uh, Colorado. <laughs> oh, so your family reunions are ridiculous. Like you got to get a whole hotel or a fairgrounds or something for you guys to all get together. Yes. One of my older brothers purchased a ranch up in Agate, Colorado. Oh, yes. Close mm-hmm. to Lyman. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we have the parties. He's got 120 acres. That ought to do so it. <laughs> we get together and have fun. That is so cool. Space. And so you go through uh, that process of, of getting to America. You have this word that you've shared, gratitude. When you grew up, and in, in you're in the school age going up into the high school years. You, was it something where it was a tough transition? Did you learn the language while you were here? Was it in school? What was that period of your life like? It was very challenging, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest. You know, coming in at 13, uh, January 1985, we had like two or three feet of snow. I've never seen snow in my life. <laughs> I wanted to go back to Mexico when it was yes. 90 degrees, right? Yes. Uh, so it was a cultural shock immediately. And then uh, seeing other people in the neighborhood that didn't look like me, um, 
was very scary. So you guys lived in more of a a white neighborhood or? Well, we lived, uh, we lived, there was a lot of black people and a lot of white people. Okay. And we just, I didn't know the language. I didn't know, like, and I'm always very friendly and and want to talk to people, but I couldn't. But you couldn't. So it was a huge disadvantage Mm -hmm. because there was no communication. Mm -hmm. And um, there was fear because of our legal status, because nobody should know that we're here. You know, there's just so many uh, inconveniences. And at one point I, I got my backpack and I told my mom, I'm just going to go back, you know, because I could in Mexico, I could walk, I could speak, I could, I was free. Yes. Right? And here, you know, at 13 years old, there's, I don't know how to drive. I get lost. And my, actually my first um, day of school, I came to enter to uh, middle school. And I got lost in the bus. The bus driver drove all the way around until everybody was off the bus. And then he asked me, where did I leave? And I, I, I you had didn't no know. Under, yeah, I couldn't understand. So he took me back to school and the principal find out who, who I was just by writing down my name. Uh, and uh, she took me home. And after that, I didn't want to go back to school. <laughs> wow. Wow. And in the school that you were at, was there a, a lot of Spanish speakers that you could connect with in, in that first few Not weeks? so much in the in the middle school, but when I entered, I went to North High School. Okay. Then I had, you know, everybody was in my circle spoke Spanish. And, mm-hmm. and then I got a little bit more of um, uh, an, just support to get to learn the language. Mm-hmm. But it has been, I, I still don't know everything in regards to the language of, but I'm trying. You're you know, doing every- great. No, you, you're <laughs> fine. You do perfectly well. Thank you. And so when you were in, was it in a high school where you really learned to have this heart of service and this center of gratitude or when did that start showing stuff? I know you said kind of at 13, when you came here, you appreciated what everyone reached out the church and others to help you. I don't know if it was as clear then when you first started noticing like, wow, there's people helping me that I don't know. But was there a point in time or did it just gradually happen where all of a sudden you're like, I'm meant to be involved in giving back to folks? Yeah, it gradually happened. Uh, but when I was 15, I uh, <clears throat> entered a contest to go visit Washington, D.C., President Bush at that time. Uh, and I entered a contest by writing my story and by telling people how grateful I was for the people that were supporting us. And I won that contest. I went for for a month to Washington, D.C. to understand how politics and policy work. And, and I think it was at that moment when I figured out I got to do something in my life. I got to do, you know, what kind of a change that I can create that would impact the world. But... I was pretty young. Uh, I didn't know a lot of people at that time. And um, my future really got stuck at that moment because uh, I left with my boyfriend and I got pregnant. And then I started a family at 16. So. And did you finish high school at that time? Did you do both? What happened there? I finished high school. I graduated. Congratulations. That is not easy. Thank you. No, my daughter was uh, 10 months yep. when I graduated from high school and I was uh, doing community college classes at the same time. Um, but I didn't really do the the gratitude at that moment. I acknowledged it, but you know, with the baby, with the school, with the job, and as a young mother, and um, you know, with no lack of um, of leadership or support, into understanding, you know, this is this happens traditionally to a lot of Latinas that are that are young that don't have either the sex education 
or the knowledge and how um, you should be succeeding. You know, there was no mentors, nobody that looked like me that can tell me, Maria, this is this is good or this is bad. And my parents, you know, having 14 children. They were like, bring busy. them on. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned, um, I learned about gratitude early on, but at that time I needed more help again than what I could give. You know, that's so interesting. And I've not shared this on any podcast for no particular reason other than it hasn't come up. Actually, maybe I did one. Dr. Ramos and I did a podcast together where I might've mentioned this, but um, my mother had me when she was at that late 16, early 17 time as well. And uh, very, she's very, very intelligent, very conscientious person, but the same thing, right? My dad was kind of the bad boy, a little bit older, that kind of thing. And she got pregnant. And so I, I and I say that because- Hey, it might not be common, but it is kind of common. Like it's, yeah. it's not irregular and there's still plenty that, that moms can do. My mom went on to have an amazing career and, and because we were so close in age, there was some real benefits to that. You know, my, I'm in my fifties now I'm 52 and my mom isn't even 70 yet. Yeah. You know, it it's, feels it's, good. Yeah. It's kind of cool uh, <laughs> from that perspective. So regardless of who you are and where you are listening, this want to let you know, there's always a way that you can make a difference. If you have children young, if you have children old, doesn't matter, right? So it's it's really cool to hear that we have that in common, very much absolutely. so. Absolutely. Yeah, and it was hard uh, being 16, 17 with the first baby. Absolutely. There's nothing easy about that. Uh, but now that I think about it, it was the best thing that happened because it allowed me to be mature enough to understand what is my purpose in life. Wow. Uh, you know, what What am I supposed to be doing here and how do I uh, not do the same mistakes that my circle, you know, my parents, my family have done uh, and actually take advantage of the opportunity to teach my children the best opportunities that they can have so that the quality of life is better than what I experienced and what my parents experienced, you know, breaking that poverty line, breaking that yes. education gap, all of those things. Just continue to break through, I guess. Man, you're inspiring me. We've only been at this for a handful of minutes and you're you're totally inspiring me. And and I gotta know what happens after high school? Did you go to college? Did you go straight into service work? What what happened? I went into service work. I started working for the state health department. Okay. Um, working in the birth certificate and death certificate area uh, for three years. And then um I got pregnant with a second child. And uh, I left that employment and went to work for the city of Commerce City, which I lived at that time. And I loved it. I started as a permit technician part time. And within four months, I was already full time. And and uh, within 10 years, I ended up working for the city manager's office, doing community outreach programs and communicating with, you know, different um, um, minorities within the community, creating programs. And that was like my dream job. Okay. <laughs> I enjoyed it, giving back, helping, answering the call on the other side where people were always needing something, a, a resource. Where do they go for, you know, services like food stamps or doctors or attorneys or, you know, legal situations, uh, immigration, deportations, everything. And so we grew into an amazing outreach program that just fulfilled my heart. Yeah. And is that still active that that division, is it still doing what it's doing or is that what kind of moved you to go into doing this as a, in the private sector? I, you know, at that time, the, the division is no longer there, but, um, 
uh, in 2002, we started uh, part of the outreach to create support for the undocumented uh, driver's license bill. And so that theme got very political within my city. Well, it got political throughout the state. Yes. And within my city, there was a lot of elected officials that did not agree in supporting the undocumented uh, communities. So as, as a result of me pushing uh, the um, the theme for the city to provide a um, letter of support that I can read at uh, with a bill introduction, it got so complicated that they ended up um, getting rid of my job and getting rid of the division because they 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 felt that 50% of Latinos in Commerce City were going to be controlling. And so there's still a lot of racism within our community. There's still a lot of um, elected officials that might not agree on supporting the growing Latino population within our city. So I gave up and I left that position at that time. And since then, I've been in other uh, nonprofit organizations where we continue with the mission of support. And, and it results of opening Adelante for yes. us to continue that support directly from a nonprofit organization where we are able to control the content and the resources to the community that we want to empower to continue in moving forward. What a beautiful story. So before I want to dive into your organization, I want to get into that. And before we do, you had mentioned something to me that I couldn't wrap my mind around, and that was that you were part of, I think you said 13 boards or uh, <laughs> on on foundations and all that kind of thing. Yes. I've been on a couple of them and I can't imagine having that much connection. Literally, it has to come from your heart and your DNA when you're doing that. Um, can you just give a give the, the listener a little bit of background on that part of your life? Absolutely. So in 2016, I um, decided to apply for a leadership opportunity with Latino Leadership Institute at DU. And it was a one-year program. And through that one-year program, they teach you how to be the best leader as a Latino in the industry that you're serving. And at that time, um, I realized uh, one of the exercises was about uh, the impact that you create based on what you do every single day. So as I was writing down all of my commitments, you know, meetings, events, everything, I realized that I was giving myself to 13 boards and commissions, including chambers, nonprofit organizations, uh, city uh, task force committees, uh, church, you name it. And um, I was a single parent, so I had um, a lot of time raising my children, giving back to the community. But this giving back really gave me just the passion and the satisf satisfaction that I was probably in most of these boards, the only Latina uh, speaking on behalf of so many of us. And I feel that sense of obligation to be there and to raise those concerns. But what I didn't know at that time when I entered the Latino Leadership Institute is that I was not really creating a huge impact because I was giving, you know, like a dollar instead of a thousand dollars. Yes, know? you were dividing your energy and your time up where every organization wasn't getting necessarily the best of you. They were all Absolutely. getting a sliver of you. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So basically what after that year of that program, they gave me a mentor uh, and uh, Catherine Archuleta was my mentor. And we did so many exercises about getting rid of all of the groups and committees where I was not really creating an impact. 
uh, the way that I wanted to. But instead, if I could recruit somebody that would have that passion That's and so that knowledge. Good. Yeah. So we were able to find uh, for all of the for 10 of these groups, I was able to find somebody that would replace me. And so I felt, you know, that I was continuing to make an impact, but more because now somebody is in charge. Uh, and then I just stayed within three organizations that I am able to control and create a bigger impact. And one of them is Adelante. Mm -hmm. But it took a lot. It took a lot because you got to play with what do you do and all of the time? How do you apply your time uh, that benefits you and the community that you're serving? But most important, where you can actually see the difference. And what I noticed that, you know, I was just going into too many, too many meetings. And sometimes this is your ego talking. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. I, I at that time, I was when I was told, like, you really want to make an impact. You got to streamline and go exactly in the areas that you want to be able to have control and support and grow. And that was huge for me because. All of us have this ego that we want to be all over the place and we want our picture there and everything. And and I had to come looking at myself at the mirror and say, look, what is really going on? Why are you doing this? And it brought me back to like the first time when I came to the U.S. that people were helping us. And I thought I got to be able to help others to achieve more and step back and really be effective that way. Man. So it took some growing. <laughs> How did you decide of which of those organizations? So you got 13 of them, you pared down 10. What was it about the three that you chose or the 10 that you recruited to find a replacement that really took your heart and your soul that direction? Did you have a criteria? Because some people may be in that position now, right? Where Absolutely. time is our most critical and precious resource. It's the one thing we can never get back once that yeah. second or that moment or that hour is gone. So how did you, what was your filter for choosing? Uh, first was, um, why would I want my legacy to be once I'm dead? Wow. You were thinking long-term. Was that from your mentor? Did they give you that yes. or was that in your mind? Both. Great question. Both. Uh, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm dead. What, what would I want for the community to remember me? And that took me, okay, if I could do this, well, one, I need money to support my financials. So I will keep my business, which at that time uh, was an insurance agency that I've had for over 10 years. And the second is we have a community garden. <laughs> we plant and harvest for uh, over um, 3,000 pounds every season. And so wow. that was, to me, you know, we have it behind our business building and we support so many families that come and they plant and harvest. And I just couldn't give it away mm -hmm. because I see it every day. And coming from a farmer family, I want to make sure that I that's a tradition that continues with my children and yes, grandchildren. Yes, connected to your roots. Yes. Love and that. the third was Adelante. Adel I, was a, I started Adelante in 2010 and um, we've always been volunteering. Uh, a board of directors that is volunteer, but we finally hired someone to help us do a strategic planning and identify what are the areas of opportunity and how do we make it happen. And finally, I decided I'm going to stay with my business because I need my financial support. Yep. And then I'm going to fulfill my heart with the garden and with Adelante. And so you still do the insurance sales? Not anymore. Okay. Adelante has grown so much that I sold my insurance business. Congratulations. <laughs> That's so good. So, and, and you just trying to figure out, you know, what's in it 
for the community? What's in it for you? How are you going to make the impact? Because, you know, at the end of the day, we're doing everything for everybody else. But are you really doing what you like? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, are you checking that, you know, check mark? I was happy. I contributed to this world. And if I die, I know that I made an improvement in somebody's life. So I got to ask you this. And it just hit me as you were telling me about the, the giving that you're doing. You've been giving so long. How does someone like yourself that is really all about that outreach and that giving how do you recharge? There are some people, like if you have a Mother Teresa type person, maybe they get recharged from the work. And I know when, mm-hmm. I, if I had a great day, it could be one of the toughest days as far as the most work, the most hours, but I get recharged. But eventually you have to also recharge your spirit and your soul in maybe a different way other than work. Do you have ways that you found, because so much of your life is based on giving and helping and sharing and growing others have you found ways that you engage with yourself and your soul to just get refilled if you have to take a break from that stuff? Yes, um, that's a very good question. And it's um, important to know that without you being at 100%, you can't really give anything. And so I do I do meditation. Mm-hmm. I do yoga. I do. I have a massage once a week. I go to a chiropractor once a week. Yes. (laughs) And I take care of myself. Uh, And that just really started the last couple of years. Uh, Before that, I was really like all over the place, just trying to figure out, uh, just stopping fires. And until, um, you know, my health comes into a um, priority, that's when, you know, I decided, okay, I have to take care of myself and what can I do? Mm-hmm. And not with the pandemic, it was very clear that I needed to make some more uh, healthy habits because staying at home every day for the first few months, eating everything that was in close yes. proximity. Whatever's to- <laughs> in arm's reach goes to mouth. I get it. I, I get that for sure. Yes. And um, my biggest happiness right now uh, that I get recharged every single five minutes is my grandson. His name is Xander and he's 18 months and he he will get me tired every single day. You sleep well after hanging out with Xander. <laughs> yes. That's yes. beautiful. Did so, you have a health crisis that led to you saying, I got to add in more, more healthy habits or lifestyle changes a couple of years ago? Is there something that started that you started noticing or did you just say, mm, I need to make some changes? How did that come about? Well, I was um, uh, diagnosed pre-diabetic. Okay. And so that's when I had to realize, okay, what's, I mean- like, think about it, Maria. Look at yourself in the mirror. Do you want to be ill? You know, do you know what happens when people get ill this way? And then it started to take medication and just getting to feel tired. And at that moment, I thought, okay, what what really, like, what's in it every single day? Like, where do you get the most joy and how can you make the most impact? And so little by little started making those changes. But it's like I tell you, it's hard uh, to do both ways because um, many of us that are in the same circles in outreach, you want to do everything for everybody, but I got to be able to teach them how to fish. And so that's what we're doing right now with Adelante. We're teaching them. We're giving them resources to all of the customers that we have and giving them the opportunity to also be self-sufficient so that if we are not here, you know, what can they do on their own? Good. But empowering them. Okay. I love that. Let's let's dive into Adelante. Give us a basic understanding of what the organization's about, who it serves, and how it serves. So the organization serves the Spanish-speaking Latino uh, community across the the Denver metro area. Okay, so it's it's local. It doesn't go out 
into all of Colorado. It's mostly uh, Denver Metro. Mostly, uh, okay. Yes, mostly mm -hmm. Denver Metro. Uh, we support uh, Spanish-speaking entrepreneurs with business resources like business coaching. We support them with making sure they have all of their legal process established, like um, their federal employee number with the IRS, um, the Secretary of State state filings, business licenses, permits, anything that um, could get you in trouble for not filing the right way. And we do all of those services for free for our business um, uh, owners. We also teach them uh, how to run and operate a food truck which lately food trucks have been so popular in Colorado. Really popular. Yes. I'm seeing them everywhere. Yes. Maria, everywhere I go, I'm seeing them and I want to stop every single one. They're it's good. crazy. They're delicious. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we help them. We have a three-day program where we teach them how to run and operate their business. You know, where do they go buy the food truck? How do they um, manufacture it in a way that it's uh, with all of the rules and regulations by the city, the state, the health department. You know, there's so many rules that people have to obey. And we teach them the whole marketing and branding process, taxes, accounting, uh, just to make sure that because they're so busy running a, a food truck, they don't have the time and the ability to do their their taxes on their own or their insurance. And so we make sure that we put them together with somebody that is going to mentor them through that and, and, and follow up make sure that they actually are meeting, you know, all the rules and regulations on time and avoid any legal consequences. Uh, so we help them with that. And then we also have once a year, we have a community festival, which this year we had to cancel. But the festival is to bring unity to, um, to our community, make sure that we celebrate culture, that we celebrate our community and achievements that the community has had. And we honor the person of the year as well in Commerce City. Okay. We also do an amazing Dia de Reyes, so the King's Day in January. Uh, we started giving away uh, 150 toys about six years ago. Now it's over 600 toys every year that we give to kids. Wow. And it's just such a beautiful thing because you, you see all the the kids coming in with their families. And then we have classes uh, for financial literacy uh, for these kids. We teach them how to budget, credit, you know, things that you just don't get to know until either you make a mistake as an adult. Right. Or <laughs> you need to learn those things. So we do a lot of teaching in regards to financial financial knowledge and empowering. That's incredible. I love it. Let me ask you this in respect to the um in respect to the the company that you're doing. As you're talking, I'm seeing that these entrepreneurs are getting helped. You're inspiring them. You're making sure that they stay safe, build their business correctly. Is the is the big push of the organization to look at empowering the community to understand you can be an entrepreneur or is it, Hey, if you are an entrepreneur, we're a resource for you. Is it some kind of bridge between those two or what's the, what's that connection? If it's any? mostly a bridge because they already mm -hmm. have been identified themselves as entrepreneurs. Okay. What they lack is the actual, like the back office support, the accounting, the payroll, the taxes, the insurance, um, really the, the business administration part, uh, how to hire, you know, the HR rules and regulations. That's what they lack because they have the spirit, they have the money, they have the passion and they know how to do the business but they just don't know how to administrate the business. And that's the part that we teach them. And the most important reason for us to teach them is so that they are empowered 
to be successful on their own. Yes. So that they don't have to, you know, think about, do I have to get loans? No, this is how you save. You know, do you have to get um, equipment? Well, don't just buy it at this location. Look at long-term needs that you need for your business and really make those plans. We have a lot of business owners that make a lot of money, but they spend it all in things that are not necessarily... Uh, the best things for the business for, or for them. And so we want to give them that awareness because although businesses could be very su- successful one year, they might not be very successful following years. And you got to be thinking about how do you um, have a better quality of life for you and your family if you start planning long term on your finances and in that kind of education. Wow, that's beautiful. And Here's with all the social issues, social justice and injustice going on right now, every conversation that I can have with someone, whether they're white, black, brown, purple, doesn't matter. Whoever I can have a conversation with, I'm trying to get this message out. And I had this, uh, the last podcast I did with someone who's using yoga, movement and meditation for trauma treatment, right? So we had this conversation and I thought, okay, how could we use what you're doing right? In the Latino community, how could we use that to unite communities of various colors Mm -hmm. so that what could the white community, brown community, black community, yellow community, whatever communities we're talking about, how could we come together through what you've learned? And now we lock arms and say, maybe it's an entrepreneurial thing. And so we were talking about this. um, Dr. Ramos's sister, Carrie is an attorney with us too. And so she's here in the firm and she runs, uh, she doesn't live in the state. She runs out of state work for us, but she and I are starting up something that we're called businesses building equality. We're in the structure phase right now where we're creating essentially the framework that's going to have a, a couple different prongs to it. One is there's a, there's a benefit for a business using uh, rules of equality right? Mm -hmm. There's a benefit to the business. There's also a benefit to the community when equality is taught in a business because that bleeds out into where these people work, shop, live, play, recreate, whatever. And then there's another side of law enforcement. Law enforcement is there to protect and to serve. And unfortunately, some of them, while most of them have done a great job, some have not done such a great job. And obviously that's gotten a bunch of attention right now. There is a benefit to law enforcement when they understand and apply the rules of equality to the community and to them. It's a win-win. It's a win-win. So we're really trying to put that together. And so that's really top of mind for me right now. Anytime I hear any group that's working within a group, I think that's number one priority, make strength within your group in order to leverage. How do you now make strength between groups? Does that? Oh yeah. It makes perfect sense. And, and I think now more than ever, we need that sort of um, foundation Uh, of support because I see the inequalities right now with helping so many business owners apply for the available funds, uh, the state or grants or city um, or even the federal money. Oh my God. You know, just people are not ready to apply for those. uh, Do you guys help with that then? Like what about the PPP? Were you guys deeply involved in helping? We were, but nobody qualified because there's so many gaps of information that they don't know. You know, Uh, we know what a 1099 is a subcontractor and they're many of them are paying their employees a subcontractor, not as a W two employee. So they didn't qualify. They don't qualify, or you know, there's a lot of uh, tax preparers that don't do the 
best job uh, professionally. So a lot of the business owners declared hardly any income the last year. And what they currently show shows more than the year before. And you're supposed to have a case of loss for 2020 on income. And so they're not able to showcase that information. Mm. So there's losses all over the place. And we try to help as many as we can. But going through that process of putting a package together, you know, takes five to 10 hours to go through the business owner one-on-one. And then at the end of the day, they're not prepared. Wow. And they don't qualify. So there's a huge gap. Uh, and, and we talked to different other organizations about creating that path of education so that we can be at the same plane level field. But it's it's not happening. We still need a lot of work. And what, what's the work that needs to be done and who, what resources do you need to get that work done? Well, there's groups that are called the Small Business Development Centers. There yes, are, there's SBDC. An arm, SBDCs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they lack um, coaches that are Spanish speakers. Uh, they lack the outreach process to Spanish-speaking business owners or minorities in general. And there's a few that are doing a good job, but for most of them, if you ask, you know, just about any Spanish-speaking business owner, what is an SBDC, they would have no clue Mm. because they haven't been touched. They haven't been outreached to. Yes. And so many business owners, unless you've experienced um, that introduction to the program, nobody knows. Nobody knows. They don't do outreach in Spanish or in TV or social media. It's very limited. Mm. And so there's a gap. And our organization is so small, we cannot go throughout the whole state to provide the information. But I know that if we're able to model the information that we do and put it in a, in a video platform, then so many more other uh, business owners could actually take advantage. And do you find that the business owners that you're working with, those entrepreneurial uh, spirits, do they look a lot for their information on social media? Do they look at classic um, Latino market TV, radio stuff? Where do, where do they get their information for growth? Well, they it's they go to their hairstylist and ask them. <laughs> the, <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> they ask in their comadre, their compadre, their neighbor, they, their coworker, uh, or sometimes um, TV or or Spanish radio, but not very much. We haven't really heard a lot of the Spanish radio or TV that creates this kind of content and information. So that's your role. It sounds like you're trying to do that. I noticed you were doing interviews with businesses. On your website. And so you're going through those. Is one of the purposes of that to highlight the business, but also to, is there a secondary purpose to you doing those besides just highlighting that business that can help grow it? Yes. So the the secondary, so the first is to create an awareness about those local businesses within within the community, because um, many people might not know that those businesses are open and that they are serving the community. Due to COVID, you mean? Due to COVID. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then second, we want to make sure that these businesses understand how to market their business. So we've create for them a whole marketing project where we teach them social media skills. We teach them how to use a camera. We teach them how to uh, really navigate um, all of the marketing abilities that they have for that kind of business. And so they understand how to, but sometimes they don't have the tools or the time to do it. 
And so we have a whole production company that is teaching them and making sure that whatever ability that they have, if they don't have the funds to pay a marketing company, which many of them don't, right? you know, but if they are able to get some skills and do it on their own, then it will be easier for them to start promoting their business because we are doing this video and it's one, one minute video that they can showcase in their social media or their website, but it's just not enough. You know, it's just like products like Coca-Cola or McDonald's, they have to continue to advertise forever. Forever. And so small businesses don't have the millions of dollars in budget or the whole marketing department, but they have us that we can teach them just the basic skills that they need and continue their branding and their marketing. That's right. And we know now this, I'm holding a cell phone for those not listening. I'm just picking it up and, and showing Maria the cell phone. That thing right there has revolutionized as a piece of technology in the last 10 years. I can't imagine anything that has had a more profound impact because now you can watch TV from it. So besides making a phone call, you can watch TV, you can check your stocks, you can know what's going on in the news everywhere. Literally, you have unlimited knowledge in your hand that the computers that sent the the first rocket to the moon, they weren't as powerful as this little guy, right? Absolutely. And so that being the case, I know that the answer for these small businesses, no matter what community they're in, is getting their message out, their brand, their personality, their unique selling props, all those things, getting, telling their story where people are. And people's eyeballs are on this thing all the time, all in the time. whatever platforms. In the Latino community, have you noticed that there are preferred platforms like, i.e. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? Is there, is there some place where a bunch of the Latino community go as a trusted resource for either education, inspiration, or entertainment? It's Facebook, definitely. Facebook by far? Yes, by far. Okay. We, we utilize LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And Facebook, we get, every single day, we get people asking us questions or following us. There's definitely a lot more uh, opportunity there Okay. for the Latino community. When I'm interested... What it sounds like you guys do is provide business coaching and development. Do you charge for anything for these folks? How, and if not, how do you guys keep going? Because before your insurance business kind of helped fund your personal family expenses and what you're doing personally. And then I imagine it helped Adelante do what it's doing. So you sell that, you're going on your business. Now, is do you expect something from the community? Because here's what I know too, as I'm thinking this through, Free advice is sometimes um, appreciated yeah. as free advice. But where not validated. <laughs> the, that's what I mean. They're, they don't use it because it's yes. free. Whereas mm-hmm. when someone pays $50,000 for a weekend with some superstar head coach, this, that, they're like, I got a money, a lot of money in this. I got to go back and do everything. Have you noticed any of that? Do you ever get payment from these businesses? And if not, how do you guys fund? So we uh, we get uh, grants and we do a lot of grant writing okay. and government support. Uh, for the programs, we don't charge, but we do ask for a donation uh, from the businesses. From the businesses, pay it forward, so pay to speak. Pay it forward, mm-hmm. yes. And they, every single one of them, does something. Good. You know, from twenty dollars to a hundred dollars, but they, everybody does something. Um, and then I give them homework all the time that they are supposed to be doing, and I keep check on making sure that they are doing their homework of, you know, things, resources that they have to go and continue to check. Because, you know, free advice, like you said, is is not validated to the point where people really, um, people are thankful, but they might not actually do the work. And so I hold them accountable Good. because we already acquire so much knowledge and of the mistakes that we made. And if these individuals that we are coaching are not doing the work, then they don't continue to get support. 
because that means they're not interested in in succeeding themselves. And they're taking resources that could be used by another business Absolutely. who is more into it. And ready, ready, ready. To, to take that information. And everybody, when they come in at the first time, they've been referred by another person or they saw us on social media and, and they, they always told us, we didn't know you existed. We did this wrong or they went and pay a notary some fees for doing like a business registration that takes you five minutes at the secretary of state if you know what you're doing. And they're paying three to four hundred dollars for a notary to do this work. And sometimes you'll see misspellings, you see wrong information on, on their filings. And that's something that these notaries do not fix. Mm. So, you know, people take advantage, uh, but they are accountable to to the work that they're supposed to be doing. I love it. What's the average <laughs> size business that works with you guys? Um, average size, 10 employees. 10 employees. Wow. Um, so pretty good size businesses. It's not yes. like just one person, two person food trucks. No. Wow. No, we have several several businesses that have. Uh, one of the, the businesses that we have that has the most, has 150 employees, a construction company. And do and, they get a do they get a limited amount of time with you, or once they're in, they're in as long as they want to use they, you guys? They don't have a limited amount of time, uh, but they, but we have like we have an agreement because I know that there are certain things that they already know, or that they have to already pay for a consultant to get those things done. For example, this construction company that has over 150 employees, um, he comes to us for a network. Uh, like asking about bigger jobs, identifying uh, opportunities to introduce him to bigger companies rather than filling out forms. And then we have the smaller shop that has maybe one to five employees. They do need help with, you know, filling out forms, permits, inspections. Also the network introduction, like business coaches and certifications for the state, things like that, but not as much as those bigger companies. So we always, um, we measure uh, really how big of the size of the company that they have for the things that they have to do pretty much on their own already. Like we can point them in the direction, but we are not going to afford the time to do it for them because if they are able to afford it, leave others to take advantage for those resources. Makes sense. And do you focus mm -hmm. on a certain business or industry type where you guys find that you do better or is it just entrepreneurial? It's general, general, yeah. but the most things that we are working with industries is construction, transportation, restaurants, uh, and beauty salon service, service okay. agencies. Uh, child care centers, we started working last year. Uh, but it's um, there's other organizations that are doing a much better job, so we just refer to them, Makes so sense. that they can you know take take that ability to help. Uh, but it's a demanding situation right now with childcare services. Yes, so many people are needing that service, and we need more individuals to be trained and perhaps uh, the ability to run those businesses out of their home with uh, specific city regulation. Absolutely, that and be that good. that becomes important because. People could say, yeah, I'll take care of your kids and they have the best intentions. But if they don't understand the rules and regs, given a, a we'll call it the new normal with COVID or whatever this is, now they could not only be putting themselves or other people at, at risk, risk, but they could be facing big fines or having the business closed and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So to, to know that you guys are there for that, that's a big deal. It's such a disadvantage when you don't know the rules and regulations or yes. if you, you know, for the food trucks that are driving from different cities, if they don't know that, it, it financially could really ruin a business, paying fines, citations, or being not having the right um, permits, and then you have to close for a month 
when people already invested in the food for for that month or that week right or having to throw their food away there's just so many disadvantages that people um i just wish people were more open to ask questions when they're starting a business because sometimes they just open the business and they think they know it everything or they know it all and then all of a sudden they're challenged and they have to stop and then rethink everything again and I, although we cannot be at the beginning of every single business but we definitely take back to the beginning every single business like why did you start it what was the reason behind you opening a business because i'm sure as a restaurant owner you did not want to work 24 hours <laughs> <laughs> yes right so you know trying to understand as a business perspective as well why are you in that business are you better to be an employee or are you really going to take the knowledge that you need to grow your business more than a hobby where you actually become financially independent, you provide, you know, good quality jobs and you are able to support the business in that growth. Beautiful. And sometimes um, business owners push back because they haven't really figured out why they opened the business or what led them to open the business, but they go back home and think about it and they come back with like, this is why I opened the business and this is why I'm going to continue. So it reinforces of why you're waking up every single day and, and just doing the work. I love it. Do you guys have an expectation of the businesses, if they're going to be with you long-term, do you have an expectation for them to give back through mentorship? Because I could see that being a, a big leverage of resources. Like if you helped me, grow my business from one person to two people to 10 people, it becomes successful that there would be, Hey, support us some with money, but also we're going to have another person that's starting out with one business. Let's have you donate some time mentoring them. Is that yeah. part of your, we did well? uh, particularly for the food truck program we do. And um, it's such a, an awakening. So in this case, we had a lady that wanted to open a food truck. But she just, because she cooks at home and it was great taste, great flavor. People love her food, right? And everybody's telling her, you should open a food truck or a restaurant, right? Mm -hmm. So she came through our program and I peered her with another uh, lady that had a food truck already that had been operating for two years. And so I put them together and the lady that was going to start the business went for a whole week, every single day, from the two o'clock in the morning to start getting the food, getting the cooking the food, and then at five in the morning going to different construction sites to sell the burritos for the whole week. By the end of the week, the lady called me and she says, Maria, I am no longer gonna be in business. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> she Thank got you a great for education. The <laughs> yes. yes. And the other the so the woman that had the business already realized that you know, what it takes, but she had already been doing it for two years. So it was normal. And then the new lady that was going to start the business clearly identified that she does, she's not ready to take on that opportunity. Uh, and that's important because, you know, you assume you might know everything, but there's such a small percentage of what you know to really make the business whole. So you'll be financially devastated if you continue something that you are not ready for. I love that. So I love that. And mentorship. Maria, the mentorship is key. And you've been such a great mentor on, on this podcast. There's people I've learned a bunch and I know the other folks listening will too, as we bring this in for a landing, um, are there's, if you could give one, two top leadership principles from the leadership academies that you've gone to now you're teaching leadership principles because you don't own a business without being a good leader, everything rises and falls on leadership, right? That's where the tough decisions get made. That's where you figure out how to spend money. That's how you grind out 
through the tough times. Do you have the top one or two leadership principles that you would share with folks listening? Um, definitely courage. I think for people to start something from scratch takes a lot of courage uh, because you have to be able to learn so many things, be challenged every single day. Uh, and just to make sure that when you look in yourself in the mirror, you are 100% sure of what you're doing every day. Uh, so that courage for me. And the second would be accountability. You know, at the end of the day, we as human beings are accountable to us, to our spouses, to our children, to the family and to the customers that we have when we're growing our business. And that accountability just never stops. So making sure that you're doing the best thing that you can do every single day, that people can rely and trust you. Uh, and that you are being accountable every single day and the actions that you that you say and the commitments that you allow yourself to schedule as as part of your daily routine. So oh, I love that. What about courage? Is courage something that you develop with more decision making and experience? Is courage faith? How do you if you don't if someone's listening says, I don't know if I have the courage, I don't know how much courage I have, how how do they know? How do they build it? I think it's testing your limits. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Testing your limits. How far or how deep are you able to to work for what you really want in your life? You know, what what's in it every single day uh, that you have to do? Is it a book that you have to learn to read? Is it someone that you got to talk to? Taking that courage, that first step of asking and, and continuing to ask yourself, am I in the right place? And today, who do I need to reach out to or who do I need to be grateful for? Uh, or just all these questions about who you are because of that legacy that I told you, like once I'm dead, I want to make sure that my children learned everything that I could potentially teach them and that saw me as an example so of virtue that they are doing for others and they're doing for their own families and um, they're checking that check mark. I was happy. I contribute to this world in I a positive it. way. That is good. <laughs> I, I think one more question. I can't quit. I can't stop. I'm addicted Thank to this. You. How important do you feel um, mentorship is in this process? Having someone to follow who's trod the path already. And how do you go about finding a good, a good mentor? Uh, finding a, a good mentor is it's not easy uh, because uh, many people are not able to share or don't want to share. Um, but for me, having this one mentor, um, Catherine Archuleta, when she told me, Maria, you have to develop an impact and develop the criteria of which areas you're going to be focusing. It took a lot to understand um, that. I would be wasting people's time if I didn't listen to them. And people had already donated their time and their knowledge and their skills. So now I want to be that mentor for other individuals that could use my my experience. But you got to have different mentors throughout your life, you know, like a financial mentor, a wellness mentor, and different people. And then you got to be able to give back all of that knowledge and in, in information that you've acquired so that you can improve other people's quality of life. Uh, but mentorship is it's, um, it's a unique skill that not everybody has. But we as Latinos need, because there's not very many Latinos in so many different industries that we would like to continue to learn. And there's people that are very jealous and don't want to share how they succeeded. So I want to eliminate that process of being jealous. And I want to encourage everybody to commit to um, 
you know, at least one person to mentor in their lo- their life. Could be a child, could be a family member or an employee that you might see them um, as a threat because they are going to learn your business. But look at an opportunity of saying your legacy will carry on and somebody else's business. You know, that that is so important for you to be able to acknowledge we're all here, human beings learning and being accountable to our earth. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and, you know, I just want to, tag one thing onto your mentorship. One thing I would love to see, and I referred to it earlier in the interconnectedness of communities. I would love for the Latino community to have Latino mentors, but not feel like they can't have this incredible experience with a mentor from another culture, right? Another, Absolutely. Uh, another version of that. So that if you find a, a great black mentor, Asian mentor, white mentor, that I think that that can do incredible things. So mentorship, I love it. Your wisdom has been beyond, beyond today. I literally, I am full to the brim of things to process and ways to make our business better and uh, ways that I can hopefully be like a, I want to be like a, a mountain lake where you have a, a inlet of water coming in and an outlet of water going out Beautiful. where I take it. I use it for me. Someone gave it to me and I give it away. So thank you for giving me that opportunity today, Maria. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, hopefully people will be able to, you know, enjoy this conversation and and don't make the same mistakes that we've made. Amen to that. (laughs) If if someone wants to reach out to you, how do they, how do they find you? Uh, They can look us up, uh, adelantecd.org. That's our website. So A-D-A-L-A-N-T-E. CD.org. CD. So Mm -hmm. adelantecd.org. Because that CD stands for Community Development. That's correct. All right. They can look at us on Facebook too, Adelante Community Development, uh, Twitter and Instagram. And uh, we're definitely there to help. Send us referrals. We like to help uh, individual families and small businesses that want to improve their quality of life. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you, Maria, again, thanks for the time and much, much, much continued success to you. Likewise. Thank you.